0: Uh, this morning, we get to dive into a new series that we are calling Christ in the Carols. And, and we're going to be talking a lot about uh, various Christmas carols throughout the next month or so. And and since that's kind of the, our, our topic, our area of focus, if you will, we're obviously going to be talking a lot about music. And, and I think the majority of us would uh, agree that music is a very significant element of the Christmas season, right? And, and of course, you can say that about a lot of things. Some of you may say, no, lights are most important for me. The, the the lights, of whether it's outside or inside, that's what makes me feel warm and fuzzy. That's what tells me, hey, it's time for Christmas. I don't know about you. I haven't gotten my Clark Griswold on yet, and so the outside of my house is bare. Um, Aaron wanted me to get those up a long time ago, so I imagine that's what I'll be doing at some point here in the next a uh, few days. Uh, but maybe, maybe for you, it's like, no, lights is what Christmas is all about. And I really enjoy that. Or it's maybe other decorations. You got the Christmas trees and the garland, the wreaths, all that fun stuff, candles, whatever the case may be. I know for a lot of people, holiday movies is something that really helps them to celebrate this time of year. Uh, Aaron and I, we try to watch as many Christmas movies as we can, really from Thanksgiving on. Uh, that's just something that we enjoy doing to celebrate this particular time of year. Um, Man, the aroma of cookies or other baked goods coming out of the kitchen is also a significant part of this time of year, right? And so you can make an argument for all of these things. They all play a significant part in, in the holiday season. However, I would argue that Christmas music is on a whole different level than, compared to, to even the things that I just listed, right? Because no matter what time of year it is, Christmas music has a way of transporting me into the holiday season. But that is certainly not the case with every other element of the holiday season, right? Seeing a Christmas tree in July just doesn't have the same effect on me as hearing Christmas music at other points in the year. And when I see Christmas lights on someone's house in April, I don't feel all warm and fuzzy inside right? What I am doing is secretly judging you, right? Because I'm thinking you mean to tell me you didn't have one Saturday afternoon in the last three and a half months to take your lights down, right? And so maybe, maybe that's you and I've just offended you. If you invite me over, just take your lights down. If it's April, right? Just take them down. Uh-huh. But Christmas music, is, it's on a whole different level, right christmas music brings about or it has a has a significance in the holiday season that I think is just unparalleled when you consider all the other elements that we tend to celebrate at Christmas time. And the effect of Christmas music is even more significant during this time of year. For Aaron and I, it, it's bands like Trans Siberian Orchestra and Mannheim Steamroller, or, or the soundtrack from movies like Home Alone or The Holiday that, that are significant contribut- contributors. Uh, to our celebration of Christmas. Just on this past Friday, a few days ago, uh, we had the opportunity to attend the, the TransSciBee concert at Golden One, and it was incredible. And it was just a super fun way for us to kick off this holiday season. I mean, really, for us, nothing gets us in the holiday spirit quite like Christmas music with the exception of this tasteful holiday sweater I happen to be wearing today, right? Um, My wife loves it. She can't get enough. In fact, she actually bought her own Bears Ugly Holiday Christmas Sweater, which made me love her even more. My wife is the best, right? Um, So here's the thing, though. We know, right? And again, music is just such a huge part. It's such a significant part of the holiday season. And whether or not you agree or you would have it ranked number one on your list, I do know that Buddy the Elf would agree with me, right? Right? Because after all, he is the one who said the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And so, <laughs> uh, love it, right? And so if what Buddy the Elf says is true, then we're going to be spreading lots of Christmas cheer here at Life Point because this sermon series is all about Christmas carols. And I've been practicing this week, warming up my vocal cords, rehearsing with Erin as she's been singing, so I could sing these songs for you, right? That's not true. That's not true. I didn't want to ruin anyone's Christmas on December 3rd, uh, so I'm not going to do that. But, but here's the reality, right? Unlike many other Christmas songs, Christmas carols tend to focus on what Christmas is truly all about. We all know other Christmas songs are about a reindeer with a red nose. Grandma turning into roadkill. People, right? I mean, that's really what that song is about. Right? People who are wishing for there to be lots of snow. But those people have never lived where there's a lot of snow, right? They have never had to go out first thing in the morning and use a hairdryer to unfreeze their door, right? So people who wish for a lot of snow don't get it. They've never had to drive in it. They've never had to shovel it. You just don't understand, right? Other songs are about a snowman that melts or 12 days of Christmas gifts that no one really wants. Have you ever just thought about those lyrics? These gifts are more like rejects from the white elephant gift exchange than gifts from your true love, right? I mean, who does that? If you start thinking about it, maybe with the exception of the five gold rings, right, that alone, right? I don't really envision Aaron getting too excited about receiving any of those gifts, especially the birds. She would be really ticked about all the birds, right? Like every other gift is about birds. <laughs> the song is insane. Most carols, though, have a completely different focus, right? Christmas carols focus on something much more significant, and if you listen to the lyrics, you will often find Christ. In the carols, in fact, you don't even have to be paying attention that much. It'll jump out at you. They're right there on the forefront. Now, having grown up in church like, like many of you, uh, similar experiences, I would imagine, hearing Christmas carols often brings me back to memories of candlelight carol services that I would attend on Christmas Eve. And, and perhaps when you hear a carol, it brings you back to a certain memory or a certain place from your childhood or from your church experience. What's also great about carols, though, that that many of us know and love is is the history behind them. And throughout this particular series, we're going to have the opportunity to explore some of the historical background of these songs and kind of dissect some of that story that that produced these words that we all know and love. But perhaps the greatest thing about carols, right, is, is that they not only make us nostalgic, But many of them do a great job of providing us with solid biblical truth. In other words, carols, like many hymns, they can teach us about who God is and what he's done. And I'm excited about discovering some of the biblical truth that's found in the carols of the carols that we sing. Now, if you happen to be here last Sunday, Pastor Chris taught a standalone message on, on gratitude. And, and one of the things that he addressed is how singing can bring about a grateful heart. And, and one of the things that he mentioned is that Christianity is a singing faith. He talked about how several of Paul's letters contain snippets of hymns from the first generation. Of Jesus' followers. And the lyrics of those hymns are all, or were all, powerful proclamations of the early church's Christ centered faith. Now, this series that we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks is, is really a great follow up to Chris's message because we're going to be addressing the powerful messages that we find in Christmas carols and tying them into the Bible's account of the christmas story and so with all of that being said the first christmas carol that we're going to look at is hark the herald angels sing a song that we just had the opportunity to sing together now I, i would imagine that many of us are familiar with the tune and the lyrics of this song but my guess would be that, that far fewer of us are familiar with the history behind this song. And so briefly now, I, I just want to provide a short background of, of historical information to this song. Hark the Herald Angels Sing was written in 1739 by a man named Charles Wesley. And Charles was the brother of John Wesley, who was much more well-known than his brother. And John was the founder of the Methodist movement in 18th century Britain. And while Charles, like his brother John, was a pastor and fellow leader of the movement, he was best known for his, uh, for his ability to write hymns, for him, his profession, if you will, as a hymn writer. And throughout his life, during his life, Charles wrote over 6,500 hymns, many of which you could find in hymnals all across our country in churches. And the tune now of of Hark the Herald Angels Sing was written by or composed by someone else, and his name was Felix Mendelssohn. And he composed that tune that we know in 1840, over a 100 years after the song Was written. However, putting the uh, lyrics to music wouldn't be the only change that would take place after the song had been initially written. Over the years, or as years went by, some of Wesley's original lyrics were actually tweaked and changed a bit so that they could be more singable, if you will, or just made sense more to the common man. And so in 1857, a version of the song was published, which is the version that we're all familiar with today. Now, we could continue to talk about the historical background. There's lots of other interesting facts that we could could address about this particular song. But really, the most impressive and important aspect of this carol is the biblical truth That's found in the lyrics. And so as we turn our attention there, I'd invite you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be starting there this morning and spending some time time in that passage, Luke chapter 2. And and what we'll find is that this carol is largely based on the words of Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. Now the first stanza or the first verse and and certainly the most familiar part of this particular carol focuses on the birth announcement of Jesus. I want to read, not sing, read a few of these lyrics for you this morning coming from that first verse. It says, Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Now, the first word of this song is somewhat an archaic word, one that we don't really use in our daily vocabulary. At least I haven't heard it very often, right? And that word is hark. And the meaning of that word is is to listen or to pay attention to. It would be like someone saying, listen up, or hear this. I have something that I have to share with you. And, and so uh, we got to thinking, though, while it's, while it's not a common word anymore, I am seriously considering and implementing this word into my vocab, especially as a parent, right? I mean, couldn't you just imagine, hark, y'all better stop sharing that toy or I'm going to take it away, right? I, this could be effective. Or hark, if you guys don't stop fighting, everyone's getting a spanking, right? Or hark, Reuben, if you don't start doing chores and carrying your weight around here, we're going to have some problems, young man. Now, Ruben's a year and a half, so that conversation will be a little bit down the road, maybe a year or so from now. Um, And Ruben will have to step it up around the house. Here's the thing, right? I mean, I I don't know about you. I think this word could really help me grab some attention around the house. At least if I started shouting at my kids and be like, I don't even know what the heck this guy is talking about. Let's at least give him a listen, you know? And it might just help me grab attention a little bit. If you happen to be a teacher or a coach, I would strongly encourage you to implement this in the classroom or on the field. I think there could be a lot of benefits from us using this word hark, right? Here's what we know, though. As we're reading this familiar passage in Luke 2, and certainly as we're working our way through, through this song, the lyrics of this song, What we see here from this first verse is that the angels are trying to get the shepherd's attention. And and really, there's no no trying here. The angel shows up, you get somebody's attention, right? I don't know if anybody's ever ignored an angel. And so they come on the scene, they get the uh, uh, shepherd's attention. But really, we have to ask ourselves, is, is why? Why is it that these herald angels or these messenger angels, why have they gotten the attention of the shepherds? And, and really, the answer is, is quite simple. It's because they have a message to proclaim. Christ is born in Bethlehem. And Luke records this message for us, the angel's message, in Luke 2, verses 10 and 11. Allow me to read them for you. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. You see, the angel's message was the best news that had ever been proclaimed. Now, at some point in our lives, we've all been on the receiving end of good news. Whatever that may have looked like, job promotion, pregnancy, uh, you know, health, uh, you know, clean bill of health, whatever the case may be, we've all received good news at some point in our lives, just yesterday, Erin received a bit of good news. When she was kind of scrolling through her Instagram account, she had gotten a message from her favorite clothing company, an uh, online co- clothing company, and she had entered a contest a few days or weeks ago or something like that, uh, 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 just uh, had a comment on a picture, and then they were going to pick a winner. Well, they chose her, and she got a $100 gift card to this online store. So y- if you know my wife, she loves fashion, loves clothes. She was pumped, right? And, I mean, she was very excited to tell this to me. Started banging on our van horn and just, like, letting everyone know. And, and I'm going to tell you the truth. I was excited because I didn't have to spend money out of our budget on clothes. Right? <laughs> this, is, this is fantastic news for me as well. Now, I mean, so the reality is that we've, we've all gotten good news. We know what that feels like. But all of that, all of the good news we received pales in comparison to the significance of this news proclaimed by the angels to the shepherds. And we might ask, well, well, what made this news so significant? You see, because as the song says, this child would bring peace on earth. This child would make it possible for God and sinners to be reconciled. The relation had been damaged, had been broken by sin, but now it was possible to mend it for their relationship to be restored. And since this is such great news, it's no wonder that Wesley wrote the words, joyful, all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. I mean, how could we not respond with joy at receiving this news? How could we not proclaim this news to others? But as you consider this a little bit maybe you start to think about who was on the receiving end of the angel's grand announcement. And when you start to think about the shepherds you might have more questions. For example who were these shepherds to deserve such an honor of being the first to hear of this amazing news of Jesus' birth? Who were these guys? Why did they get to be the first ones? Well In reality, these were just your average, everyday type of people. In fact, during that period of time in history, society, a lot of them, society would have considered the shepherds even to have been below average due to their profession. You see, the shepherds did nothing to deserve this honor. But that's kind of the point, right? Jesus came to save ordinary, everyday people. You and I, none of us deserve the peace on earth that Jesus offers. We are all sinners who do not deserve to be reconciled to God. Yet this news of hope and peace and joy is for everyone. As Luke 2 says that he records the angel's message, he says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for who? All the people. All the people. And this would have been shocking at that time, even for the shepherds, because everyone thought in this time that, hey, the Jews were God's chosen people, and that was it. And so now you're telling us, hey, that this Savior has come, and it's for all the people? This wouldn't have made sense, but this is the reality, that Jesus came to save ordinary, everyday people. He came to save everyone. And of course rightly so. We we focus on the story of Jesus' birth during the holiday season more than any other time of year, right? However, the news of Jesus coming to bring hope and peace and joy is for all seasons. Therefore, those of us who who are followers of Jesus have a reason to be filled with joy throughout the entire year. Now, Hark! the Herald Angels Sing does much more than just tell us about the birth of Jesus. As we turn our attention to the second stanza or the second verse, you'll notice that Wesley there focuses on a brand new topic. And and in the second verse of this carol, uh, Wesley emphasizes who Jesus is. He talks about the identity of Jesus. And, And Charles Wesley impressively managed to pack four important truths about Jesus' identity into this one short verse. And if we stop to look at each phrase, it's kind of like a mini course in Bible doctrine. We learn so much about who Jesus is and what he's done. And so again, in writing this verse, the first thing that uh, Wesley addresses regarding Jesus' identity is Jesus' deity. The first line of verse two says, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. In other words, Wesley is stating that Jesus is God, the second person of the Trinity. And, and of course, this is a truth that's supported by Scripture. In John's Gospel, the very first verse, one that we're, I would imagine we're pretty well familiar with, John one one says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God was God. And for those of you who may not be aware of this, word is referencing Jesus. This verse is about Jesus, and the word was God. Now, there are other belief systems, cults, if you will, that will change the meaning or words of this verse so that it doesn't appear that Jesus is divine. And then they will go on to say, well, hey, Jesus, because this verse isn't really expressing Jesus' deity, they'll also say that Jesus never made a claim to be God. And that's where they're dead wrong in john 8 58 when jesus is talking to the religious rulers he makes a statement that says before abraham was born i am Now, that statement, I am, was first made by God through the burning bush to Moses in Exodus 3.14. And so Jesus is now referring back to that statement, which all the religious rulers would very well know what Jesus was doing. He was making a claim to be God. And we know that their understanding was that Jesus was making a claim to be God because in the very next verse, they reached down to pick up stones to stone him. In the eyes of the Jewish religious leaders, Jesus had just committed blasphemy, claiming to be on the same level as God. Jesus sees himself as God and claimed to be God. Secondly, Wesley writes about Jesus being born of a virgin. The second line of verse 2 says, late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. And this line is also supported by scripture. In Isaiah 7 14, Isaiah prophesied, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. The third truth Wesley addresses about the the, um, identity of Jesus is the incarnation of Jesus, Jesus becoming man. Wesley writes, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. What an incredible line! Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. And John also speaks about this particular truth in his gospel account. Just a few verses after John 1.1 is John 1.14. And he writes, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then last but not least, Wesley talks about the humanity of Jesus. He writes, Pleased as man, man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. The author of Hebrews writes about Jesus' ability to relate to us as humans because of Jesus' humanity. In Hebrews 4.15, uh, he, the author writes this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. You see, Wesley was able to do something pretty remarkable. He was able to pack a ton into just one verse, a ton of theology into just one verse. And from this verse, we learn that Jesus was both fully God, and fully man. And so, in the midst of our singing, Wesley gives us reasons to worship Jesus for who he is. And as if all of that weren't enough, the third stanza of Wesley, Wesley's carol tells us all about what Jesus came to do for us. Or, in other words, the third verse is about what Jesus offers. I want to read you this verse as well. It says, Hail the heaven born prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness. Now check this, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings, mild he lays his glory by, By, born that no man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. See, as we read through these lyrics, it's easy for us to find that Jesus brings light and life. And there are so many passages of Scripture that support this particular truth. A lot of them are written by John. In fact, the ones I'm referencing today are all written by John. And I want to rattle off a few of these for you. In John 1, verse 4, he says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his, only, his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 14.6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. And in 1 John 5, 11 and 12, it says this, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. You see, Charles Wesley emphasizes what the Bible makes crystal clear. True life is only found in Jesus. And if Jesus doesn't come to live on earth, then we would be left in darkness and death. But he came, right? But he came, and so we have a reason to celebrate this Christmas and every day of the year. Now, if you continue working your way through the lyrics, you'll find that Jesus also brings healing. And we find support for this, not only in the Old Testament, but in the New as well. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. 1 Peter 2, 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds. We have been healed. You see, just as true life can only be found in Jesus, healing that is eternal only comes from the death and resurrection of Jesus, which is what we celebrate at Easter. But of course, that doesn't happen unless Jesus first comes to earth as a baby. And finally, we learn from Wesley's lyrics that Jesus brings victory over death. And Paul talks about this, he references this in his letter to the church in Corinth, his first letter. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 through 57, this is what Paul writes. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, for, for us as followers of Jesus, it's this victory over death that allows us to view our mortality differently. Though we will still grieve like everyone else, we can do so as those who have hope In the life that is to come see the third verse of this carol helps us to realize that when jesus entered the world everything changed light life and healing came to a dark world and death was swallowed up in victory now Wesley's lyrics provide us with so much biblical truth and, and so many reasons to worship God, especially during this time of year when we focus on the birth of Jesus. However, before we close, uh, we, we got to point out something else about his lyrics. And, and that thing that we need to point out is that, that these lyrics aren't just meant to fill our heads with knowledge, as important as that is. You see, believe it or not, hark the herald angels sing is really a call to action. And so we need to pay attention. We need to hark. We got to listen up because there's something else that we have to address when talking about this song. This whole sermon began with the angels seeking the attention of the shepherds in the fields. And the reason for it, we said, was because they had a message to share. Jesus has come. Salvation has come for all of those who are ready to receive it. And so for those of you who have not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus for your salvation, what I would say to you is, listen up, hark. Are you listening to what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you? Perhaps today is the day you make the decision to surrender your life to Jesus and allow him to lead you. And while certainly that is a significant decision, The decision is not complicated, or how that plays out is not complicated. We say it's as simple as ABC. It's admitting that you're a sinner, that you're in need of God to save you. You can't save yourself. Your sin has separated you from God. B stands for believing. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again to pay the punishment for your sins so that you could have right relationship with God so that God the Father can see you with the eyes in which he views Jesus, holy, perfect, and righteous. And then C is to commit. To commit as best as you know how to live your life in obedience to God and his word. And if you're in that place this morning, if you've never made a, a decision for the first time to put your faith and trust in Jesus, and, and that's something you want to do today, we'd love to know that. You could certainly mark on the comments section of your connection card and, and drop that in the basket. I made a decision to follow Christ and, and, and drop that in at the end of our service. We would love as a staff to celebrate with you and follow up with you about that decision that you made. Nothing weird, just want to celebrate with you and tell you some next steps that you can take to begin to grow in your relationship with God. Perhaps you're sitting here, though, and, and you know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. But you also know that, yeah, I may not be ready to make that decision just yet. Um, but perhaps you would like to talk to somebody about it, like, okay, all of that that sounds intriguing to me, but but I, I need to... to Talk with somebody. I want some more information. Well, there's also a box that you can check on the back of your connection card, and, and we would love to follow up with you as a staff and just kind of see where you're at and try to answer any of the questions that you have. For those of us, though, who have already made a decision to follow Jesus, Wesley doesn't let us off the hook. In verse one of, of this particular carol, the one that we all know, probably by memory, it says, Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. You see, this is a call to join with the angels in proclaiming a message. And that message, we've referred to it before, is that the Savior has come and he is Jesus. And with him comes peace and reconciliation and light and life. In Luke chapter 2, we see the shepherds join the angels in proclaiming this message. In Luke 2, verses 16 to 18, it says this, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. See, as we sing this carol, and we recognize that it's a call to action. We have to ask ourselves the question, am I proclaiming this message to others? As a, as a Christian, you, you, perhaps you're unaware of the fact that you have a job of being a herald a messenger, someone who proclaims the good news about Jesus. And whether you're aware of that or not, now you know we are called to that. That is a responsibility that we have been given by God. And you may think to yourself, well, hey, I know I wouldn't be a good herald. I don't know enough, or I get uncomfortable talking to other people. I'm socially awkward. Whatever the case may be, it's good self-awareness, but that really is not a good excuse, right? Or you might say, that's not my gifting. I know that I'm not good in this particular area, but I would ask you the question then, well, have you ever considered the cost of not proclaiming that Jesus came to earth, died, and rose again for the sins of all mankind? Who's missing out on the good news because you are not willing to open your mouth and proclaim it? We've been talking about the last couple of weeks that we have these these Christmas invitations. And maybe that's the first step for you, is is grabbing some of those with intentionality and walking down the street to your neighbors or to some coworkers in, in your office and saying, hey, this is just a hot chocolate packet. We'd love to invite you to join us for our Christmas services. Hope you can make it. Boom. Done. If you've been on our social media pages, the staff has been giving you some ways to not go about inviting people, right? Grant was a great example of what not to do as a herald, right? Demi and myself, all of us screwed it up royally. You can follow us on Instagram and see how we messed it up. It, it's not a complicated thing, though. And this is something that we've all been called to do. You see, God has placed you exactly where he wants you to be. You may not want to be there, but God knows where you're at, and you are there for a reason. You're there for a specific purpose. And maybe, just maybe, it's to be a herald. And so, be a herald in your neighborhood, in your office, on your team, in your home, wherever you go. And as we all dive into this Christmas season, my hope for us is that we can join with the angels in giving glory to our Savior and King. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your word. God, we're so grateful for, for this particular song, God, that you uh, put on Charles Wesley's heart to, to write these words, God, so not only we can worship you through song, but that we can, we can learn from them. That we can be called to action. God, I pray that we would take that seriously. This is an opportunity when hearts and minds are, are somewhat more open to, to the things of you. And so, God, as we have opportunity, I pray that we would move forward with boldness, proclaiming the good news that you came, died, and rose again so that we might be saved. God, for those here that may not have made a, uh, or have not yet made a relation or decision to follow to you. We pray that you would just continue to lay that on their heart, that they would follow in obedience. We pray all this in your son's name, amen.